All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here. I'm here with, here with my good friend, uh, Chris Irwin, uh, who we met. We were just rapping before we hit record, and uh, we are trying to figure out when we met the first time, um, and it, it's more than five years ago. So I'll give a little bit of Chris's background, and you guys will uh, understand why we had him on the show. But uh, first and foremost, Naval Academy grad, just like myself, so... <laughs> Greatest school on earth, uh, and then left there, went on, uh, and was in the SEAL teams uh, for for quite a while. Did some reserve time and uh, transitioned, and then was in St. Thomas for a while, where he uh, he's an affiliate. He wasn't he was an affiliate owner owned CrossFit St. Thomas, where uh, Connor Murphy worked for quite a few years. And he, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to that. He was a regional athlete in the Latin America region. Uh, was was VP of Kilcliff for how many years? President. Oh, president, yeah, president. Uh, about, about five years. That's what I thought, about five years. And now uh, currently works for the Navy SEAL Foundation where he is the director of partnerships. So there is a whole ton of awesome content. Uh, we actually had to stop talking before we hit record because we were wasting it all. So, right. um, But uh, first and foremost, I know you're a busy guy, so really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to, good to see you again. I don't know oh, the last been, time we actually saw one another. It's been but, too uh, long. It's usually like yeah. in passing somewhere. I'd be like, hey, I'll catch right. you later. So. Yeah, it used to be like once a year I would drop into to your gym there in Virginia Beach and, and have a good workout. Yeah, so Chris, when he would do his reserve duty, he would because our gym is in Virginia Beach, it's right next to the um, to the Amphib base there, and he would come in and, and train at the, at the affiliate when he was in town uh, for training. But um, when did you guys open CrossFit St. Thomas? 2000 so 2011 was when we actually affiliated we were okay. in our house um so it was it was really my wife's project i had another full-time job which is what brought us down there uh, working for an investment research company and you know, completely just fresh out of the military first civilian job and um and there was just there was a i think a yearning on that like it was definitely a need that nobody had filled on the island. Um, there was some kind of weightlifting gyms, but there was no culture of fitness, at least yeah. none that we, we perceived. And this was a big part of our lives and really had become a big part of our lives. My wife got into CrossFit before me and then basically sent me to a level one and said, you're, you're really going to like this. And so, <laughs> where, where, where did you do your level one? Do you remember? I did it in Hampton Roads, like right Oh, like right Nicole as Martin, I was getting yeah. out of the military. Yeah, I did it. I did okay, it very cool. Um, and uh, li literally, she sent me to it. She was like, yeah. "Yo, you're gonna like this." And I was like, ah, "I don't get it. Like, how can you do a workout in six minutes? Right? Like, you know, you know, get get your heart rate up." Uh, so, yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So she sent me to that, and I came away from it, and I was like, "No, I get it. Like, the science made sense, right? There was yeah. there was reasoning behind it, which I had no idea was there." Mm -hmm. and we, I don't, we didn't really have any intention of opening an affiliate. It just kind of fell in our laps. We were, my wife was doing that. We had like a little home gym down there in St. Thomas and we were working out and people would be like, Hey, what are you doing? And we'd be like, Oh, come on over and work out with us. Kind of typical, typical affiliate story. story, right? This is not, not new stuff here. This is not new territory. And pretty soon we had like, I don't know, 15 people working out in our foyer. And it was like, we got to do something here, right? So we affiliated and um, we were the first gym in the Virgin Islands, uh, first CrossFit gym in the Virgin Islands. Um, and uh, we had, we didn't even have a space. We were just, I think we got up to like 30 people working out in our, our house there. 
and uh, and then finally found a found a space which they're still in today, um, and, and moved in there about maybe six months later. I think it was April okay. of 2012 was when we actually moved into the physical gym. That's awesome. So I, I always try to imagine. It sounds like it wasn't that big of a deal to open an affiliate in a in a remote location like that. I, like I'm trying to wrap my brain around from a business standpoint how that works. It was really tricky. Uh, I mean, first of all, we put, I think just like most, a lot of affiliate owners that have stood up a gym from scratch, there was a ton of sweat equity that was put into oh, yeah. it, right? Just like tons of weekends and nights of like painting walls and rolling. I mean, I can remember buying this rubber matting that had to get shipped in and go through customs and all this stuff, right? And each one of these mats is like 300 pounds and I'm struggling and wrestling it around the gym and then trying to cut it around, like doing it all myself. Oh, the worst. 90 degrees and there's 100% humidity and there's no air conditioning. And then I, I did it upside down or something and I was like, flip this over. So, I, um, so yeah, I would say, but some of that is just typical, typical. New yeah. Business. Start a new business, you got a new space, you're re renovating something. Uh, there's additional challenges there with like there's a gazillion mosquitoes that are constantly in your gym. There's no air, there was no air conditioning. It was just open to the elements. Yeah. We'd have huge storm and it would flood the gym. It was kind of like a, a maintenance bay that was under okay. the school there and it's still there. So it's just roll up garage doors. Again, very, very common. Yep. Um, and, but then getting equipment was a huge challenge. I'd have to order big stuff and then, the, you know, it comes in on a boat. You got to go down to customs and get it. And I mean, it was, and, and then things rust like super fast because, because of, of the so, salt water. And, yeah. Yeah. So stuff just gets destroyed, but, um, so the majority I'm trying to kind of imagine like what your core client base was. Cause obviously you have a ton of just drop-ins because people are there on vacation, but did you have like a core group of, of yeah. clients that were just like, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the big, I, I, I don't, again, we didn't, none of this was intentional. I don't think we, we didn't go out like, here's our business plan and here's what we're going to do. It sort of just evolved yeah. out of necessity. Uh, and um, it, as it turns out, there was a real hunger for that on the island. So people, really cool. people from the outside looking in think, oh, you, most of your clients must be drop-ins. It must be people on vacation coming off cruise ships. We had an incredible community there of you know whatever 150 kind of core people um that were super dedicated that got into it i mean it was really an, inc an amazing community and it still is uh you mentioned connor murphy at the beginning so he was our first like he was on the island at the same time trying to kind of do the same thing yeah and we I mean, there's a funny story behind this but we, we basically met up one night i don't think we really liked each other to begin with um and um but, but we got together the next day and had some kind of conversation of, of, to the essence of like, this island isn't big enough for both of us kind of thing. <laughs> and like, let's join forces. And, and that's what we did. So Connor became our first trainer. He was extremely impactful in growing that community. Uh, Well-liked. I mean, anyone who knows Connor is, you know. You know I mean, that's his jam. That's his bread and butter. And um, he was amazing um, in really helping us establish that um, that community. Um, and, and again, it's still there. I, the other challenge, when you talk about challenges, I mean, the other one is actually, but that community does tend to rotate. There's sort of like a, a group of people that have been on the island for a while. They're going to be there for a while, but then there's a lot of transients like us. We were there for three years. There's, yeah. So 
I think during the course of the, whatever it was, three years we owned that gym, we put like 500 people through elements, right? Through an on-ramp course. And it sounds very similar to having a gym in a, in a, in a Navy, Navy centric area. Yeah, sure. I think about it all the time. It, the number of people that we, that have rotated through the affiliate that that never left because they were unhappy. They're just transferred to San Diego or went to Afghanistan or something like that. I'm like, man, we could have a thousand members. Like, I don't know, but maybe we could have, I I have no idea. Um, But it sounds a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It is, right? It's just that there's sort of that revolving door of, of people coming in and out. That being said, we still see pictures. So that gym is now owned by um, Gabe and Gilly, who are, they were, uh, well, Gabe was like one of our first members down there, yeah. still down there. And there's still people going to the gym who were there when we were there. So that's it's, it's so cool. badass. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done an incredible job. Um, so a couple of members bought, bought the gym from us. In, I think in early 2015, like beginning of the year, um, we had moved to Atlanta, couldn't manage the gym anymore. Um, and, uh, and then they, again, sold it to, uh, to Gabe and Gilly, who just are killing it right now. Did you guys ever find uh, like a, a rhythm with regard to like what's the – not everybody deals with this. We deal with it increasingly at our affiliate because we're so close to the airport and so close to the base. But – what was your like sweet spot for handling drop-ins? Like, did you guys like have a, cause I know people, a lot of people struggle with like, what do we do with these people that come in, whether they know a lot or they don't like, how do we vet yeah. them? I don't know that we ever found it to be honest with you. I think it's a really tough thing. A gym like that, you do still get a lot of tourists. You get a lot of drop-ins and you need to, you don't want to just be free for everybody. I mean, that's, that's, and yeah. people should understand it's not free. I, whenever I drop into a gym, I'm like, like I'm, I should pay for this, right? I'm using your services. You're providing a service to me. I um, specifically remember you and I having this conversation maybe five years ago, standing in my affiliate about like people coming in and wanting to try for free. Yeah. And I'm just like, and you were just like, listen, you don't go to the movies and decide to pay for it right. after you've watched the movie. Right, right, <laughs> right, exactly. It's a service and that's, um, Look, we are, it's a big community and it, it is a family, but it's also a business. And I think people should respect that. Um, yeah. and, and most people do. I think that ch- the challenge we always found with drop-ins, was, it was a really small space. They've expanded now, but I think we had about 1,700 square feet. And you get okay. those people that would come in and say, hey, I'm doing my own program and I got to, you know, and you're like, I respect that, but we really need to ask you to just join the class. We don't have enough space for you to do that. If you want to come to the open gym time, do whatever, write whatever you want, but during class, um, and, and the reality is your focus is your community, right? Like you are there as an affiliate owner to provide the best possible service to your core community, those yeah. people. That's what's important. You're making their lives better. You're making them through fitness, you are making them, them better people and yeah. thereby making the whole, t- the whole team better, right? And so, you need to be respectful of people dropping in. But at the end of the day, your priority is your core constituency. It is super fun. I was literally just on the phone about an hour ago with a buddy of mine who's an affiliate owner. And we were having that exact conversation because he was at, he was like, what do you do with people want to do their own programming? And, I, and I'm pretty, I have a pretty hard line about that at, at this point. And you know, granted, I'm a little bit of a veteran at this point, but it sounds, I just tell him to join the class. Yes. I'm like, just do the class, man. Like, I don't understand. You're not going to get less fit by no. doing class today. No. You're not and, and that's, that's the other thing too. I, I, I've, I know I've talked to people about this. I think 
there's definitely a tendency to become a slave to programming, right? You yes. become a slave to programming and say, I can't, it's like, no, remember the whole unknown, unknowable piece of this, right? So it's like, hey, maybe you're gonna do legs twice in a row, two days in a row. Believe it or not, in life, sometimes you have to use your legs two days in a row. Right? Hey, I sprinted every day in college when I played basketball. And yeah, I know right, like, right. Um, yeah. No, that's super funny. Yeah, and I think it's something a lot <laughs> right. of people, I, Right, I played soccer. It's like, hey, I, coach, I can't kick, kick today. the ball Don't today because we kicked balls yesterday, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's just something a lot of affiliate owners, because they, they want to be customer service oriented, but I think sometimes when that walk-in comes in, they forget that that walk-in doesn't supersede the massive people, a group of people behind them that's been there and pays every single month not 15 bucks. And it's like right. this person, while they might be incredibly fit and have their own program can just assimilate for the day. Yes. And because that's what this is about. So yeah. I think, uh, I think the gyms that, that really hold that hard line are the ones that have the best community. It sounds like that's what you guys did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes both ways too. If you are the drop in trying to be respectful of that, just realizing it, right. You're dropping into somebody else's community. Hey, how you doing? Being super friendly. And then also that community should be Right, you want to encourage the gym members. Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Where you're from? Yeah. Um, I just think that some a, a matter of mutual respect is probably what we need. Yeah. Every, I, we it's a running joke in the gym between my head coach and I with somebody that, when somebody like emails us or they come in and the first thing they say is I've got my own program and we're just like, uh, <laughs> just yeah. like, you know, but. Uh, cool. So when you got, when you made that transition to Atlanta, is that when you got, is that when you started working for Kill Cliff? Yeah. So I got hired on to Kill Cliff. I want to say, I hope, hopefully I get this right. I think it was like mid 2013 was when, um, when I got hired on there. Um, the other job I had had down in St. Thomas hadn't, hadn't worked out. Um, so it came at a very opportune time really lucky I met a guy named Todd Ehrlich uh, Todd was a former team guy as well um, didn't hadn't known him previously but he had started this company and uh, it was just really cool I thought I mean and this is you got to kind of put the Wayback Machine on here like Killcliff 2012 barely out there. I mean the website was I remember going to the website and being like is this real it's like <laughs> someone used to say it's like buying drinks on the back of somebody's pickup truck was how they described the website at the time that's what it was and it was, um, but, uh, but I had a great conversation with him at some point. And he was just like, hey, send me your resume. I think there might be an opportunity. And I think it was about six months later, he was like, hey, I'd really like to come bring you on board. And, and he was like, and I want to make you the president of the company, which to me was like, whoa, really? Um, but um, I think it stemmed from Todd's goal with that company. And, and they, they still execute on this, uh, continue to execute on, on this was they wanted to be, he wanted to be the largest contributor to the Navy SEAL Foundation. Largest corporate contributor to the Navy SEAL Foundation. From day one, that was his goal. From day one, that was oh, his goal. Okay. That was the that mission he founded that company with. And um, so the idea was, how can I make a for-profit company that's, that's creating a product that we believe in, that we think is helping people, that is healthy, but have a nonprofit component built into the company. So we've got a real mission and purpose behind the company. And I had never thought about something like that. And I just thought, wow, that's really, that's really cool. Like there's a, there's a real ethos to that, that obviously speaks to me. And that idea of, 
that idea of we can grow a company and do re be really successful and at the same time we can really support people and do do good i did not know i i I just thought the rela the relationship made sense because I knew some of the players and right. both, but I had no idea that that was day one. Yeah, that was that was day one for for him. Yeah, um, that was the whole idea. Um, and so when he brought me on board, we still company was really in its infancy. We didn't have an office. Uh, we 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 used to we were basically borrowing some desks and chairs, and we would sit out. We'd like use a conference room, and then when the actual company had to use conference room we'd like sit in the hallway on our laptops like <laughs> on the floor uh it was great though um and and i i really valued that experience for so many reasons um I learned a ton um and I, and i i i love small business i love the flexibility of it the ability like you can just make moves really quickly yeah really impactful you can be creative and the company was just so fun too like we just had there was just so much fun behind it. Yeah. We worked a, a ton. But um, anyway, so at the, at the beginning, we were just sending checks to the Navy SEAL Foundation. It was like 5,000 bucks here, 10,000 bucks here, like just write a, write a check. And it's not like we were profitable. It was just, we're gonna, like Todd was really committed to that. Yeah. Uh, and then we got an audience um, with, the, with the foundation through a guy that, that um, has been a long time supporter um and, and ambassador and uh so we met with um with the head shed down in um in florida yeah down in florida todd and i went down there met with them to form the partnership um and uh and that was we officially formed that january early yeah january 2015 2015 was when that i was gonna say yeah became an official partner that was when that actually happened yeah, because I, I remember I had just uh, I had just moved into the nonprofit world, and I remember that going down at that point. I was like, "That's great." Um, yeah. So yeah. what? So the what does being the president of Killcliffe entail? Or yeah. I, I'm, I would imagine that was kind of a, an ever evolving thing. Yes, it was. You, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, with a startup, when you when you're growing, it's um, it's not like coming into some huge bureaucratic thing like where here's the established position it was very much like kind of what are we doing today for for at the beginning i largely ran the entire side of the business that was operating in the, in the crossfit space so the okay. whole direct sales team all those guys really grew that side of the business were a couple guys um josh haskins baker levitt who had who had kind of really made that happen then i came in and helped organize it and grow it um kind of built on what those guys had built. Um, those guys did a ton of legwork, like just driving all over the country. And That's all they did. I remember that. They incredible. would just show up and then they would yeah. go to, they would visit 30 gyms in three, J yep. in three days. Yep. So I ran that side for a couple of years uh, and then I shifted over to e-commerce and, and kind of helped rejigger the website and establish what we were doing on Amazon a little bit better. Um, so I touched pretty much every, and I would go to every single event. I mean, I'm sure I saw you yeah. out there at those. Um, I, yeah, I remember you were the president and, and at that point, and I, I like, we had a brief interaction at the games one year and you were literally serving drinks behind a counter. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those were great. I mean, like, I think back on those days, they were amazing. We, we had such a good time at the CrossFit Games those those years, and they're super long days. And for anybody who's ever worked oh. in Vendor Village at one of those things, it's exhausting. It's all day. It's 
energy tapping in a way that is is beyond sort of functional yeah, it's like take it's like maximum energy for 12 hours yes like, yeah for four or five days in a row yeah it's, it's, it's exhausting but it's also awesome like we just had so much fun doing that what i, I wanted to ask you like how much did you the brand of kill click kill Cliff is obviously very recognizable um and I, like, did you guys have discussions about branding? Because this is something that is just constantly on my mind from an affiliate standpoint and just business in general is like, what makes a good brand? And then what are best practices as far as like not deviating from your brand? Yeah, that's a really, I tell you what, those questions are asked, I guarantee in almost every business out there that's got a brand they're working on. Because it's hard to answer them. You definitely... Uh, at the beginning, here's my kind of like personal opinion on this and people inside the organization might disagree. I think at the beginning, there wasn't a lot of thought to here's the exact brand. It was just kind of like, we're just sort of doing what feels right for us. Right. And we're sort of irreverent and we're a little bit, you know, off axis. <laughs> um, but we've got a great, I, I think the idea was we've got a, a legitimate product, like the product we really believed in. I believed, believe in it. Um, that it's, it's got benefits. It is a far better product than a lot out there in terms of what you're going to put in your body. Um, we've got a real mission and our purpose is, is absolutely something that we all believe in and, it, and it's got real value. And then the brand was just kind of like, well, whatever feels, feels good today. We know we're not going to be straight and narrow. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to make some jokes and, um, yeah. and have fun and not take ourselves too seriously over time that, message gets refined where people are starting to think, okay, is this on brand? Is this on brand? What is the brand? Right? So I think it's, it's an evolution. What I would say to anybody that's starting a brand out there is one of the things I'm fond of saying, it's like the perfect can be the enemy of the good a lot of times. Right. And people tend to plan themselves to death where it's like, and they never, it's like failure to launch, right? They're never going to get the thing out there. Just get it good enough and get it going. And you can fix it as it goes. It's not like you're going to launch a brand and a website and the first day a million people are going to show up on your website, right? Get it out there. And you, you could have spelling errors on it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much, right? Just get it out there. It's funny you say that. So I write a blog for our gym and, and I spend, you know, and this is a legitimate critique, I spend not a ton of time doing spell check on it. Yeah. Right. And people are like, Hey man, you should really spell check those emails. And my contention has always been, did you get the point of the email? Yeah. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I said, that's all I care about. Like I'm not, if I waited every time to make sure that the all now you do need to do those things. They are important. However, yes. I don't personally feel they're more important than shipping what it is that you have to, to show or say, or yeah. like it's important to get it out there. And I think the ability to refine while you're moving is far more valuable than having this perfect plan. Because like you just said, that's really not a thing. Right. And by the way, I'm as guilty of that as anybody. I'm definitely a perfectionist. I'm somebody who's like, it's gotta be perfect. I'm like constantly organizing things completely OCD. And so that's me giving myself a pep talk a lot of times. Like it's good enough. We should spell check. Absolutely. But especially in terms of branding, it's like, there's no right answer necessarily. You sort of yeah. have to just go with like, Hey, does that look good? What do we think? I don't know. Go for it. I think the, I think the big piece of that, that people 
and myself included, that we all overlook is that a good brand is something that is received well by the audience. Yes, they're the, you that's put, the vote. You have doesn't to matter what you it, think. You got to put it in front of the audience and see, because there's no yeah. way for you to accurately predict what that reaction is going to be. Like all you can do is put it out there, gauge the reaction, and then refine it based on the reaction and just well, and that's, over and over. When you, when you get into things like e-commerce, that's a huge piece of it, right? You sort of set up the website the way you want it, and then you have to do, once it's sort of like up and functioning, you have to start A-B testing stuff where you're basically giving people two different looks. And in your head, you might think, oh, A is way better. And then the data comes back like, hey, more people click on B. Well, hate to tell you, but B is the right answer. Like whatever yeah. works is what you gotta go with, right? It was, it was funny, I, was, I, was, I did, a, we had uh, put up a podcast with uh, Matt Albrizio who runs Forever Fierce, it's a t-shirt company. And we had that exact conversation about t-shirts. Yes. And people spend this inordinate amount of time like designing these things when you should just slap your logo on there and go and get some feedback and then refine it the next time you produce well, it. Well, I don't know. So I, here's a great example of that. I don't know if you remember this, but we put out this Killcliffe four or five years ago. We put out this like laser cat shirt. It was like this kitten with yeah. laser beams coming out of this. And it was just one in a series of silly shirts that we just put out. No, per like it didn't mean anything. <laughs> And people loved it, right? No, and I have no idea why. To this day, I don't know why people <laughs> loved that shirt. But it was that was the one. So it's like, hey, if you had lined up every all the shirts we'd ever made and asked me to pick the winner, there's no way I would have picked that shirt. It definitely that's wasn't Laser Cat. <laughs> yeah, but that's what people bought, right? So, <laughs> so there you go. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always something I struggle with. And then I always go back to just put it out, figure out what it is that people like, and then, and then try to refine that, but gauging those, the, the information that comes back to you. Yeah. Um, and, but I, what, there is one common theme that I've found with effective brands is, is they are simple. Like yes. they're visually simple. They're, they're, they, they don't have to necessarily be, you know, very visually appealing, but they are visually simple. So if you think of like Killcliffe, if you think of Walmart, if you think of Target, none of those are crazy brands. Yeah. Like as far as like how they're designed, like it's basic block lettering with some changes on it and you can read it. You yeah. know, like the, the days of affliction are gone. And you're like, what the fuck does that say? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, 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 uh, but simple is not easy. Correct. There's tons of people say this, right? I, I, I think of Ben Bergeron cause he's one who, who states this a lot. Yeah. Simple is not the same thing as easy. Simple can be really hard, right? Um, I think simple and boring is actually what is most effective most times. But the problem is, is like, it, it is boring. So therefore, I don't want to do this anymore. But like, yeah, but that yeah. is actually what's going to get us where we need to go. Like, whether yeah. it's training, you know, whether like anything, whether it's running a business is like doing the little things consistently is what's going to move the needle, not like this super amazing design that we had. Yeah, I think the other thing that I would say about branding is I think a lot of people get wrapped around like, well, does this brand, does the name make sense? And this kind of thing, like, Kill never made makes sense. And if you think about brands that are out there that you recognize, like, what does Red Bull mean, right? Like, what does that, what does that mean? I just know the logo was it gives you wings, and I still don't right? know. Right? Any of these, Nike or, or Reebok, like, the name itself is not relevant. It's not like somebody sat down and said, well, that and represents this. I mean, maybe they did, but... <laughs> That's not really what my point with that is like, it's what you do and stand for that yeah. is what people latch onto. And then they're going to associate those values with the brand. Right? Agreed. 
Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's the aura around the brand, not like the actual logo. Right. Um, I think a lot of us get too way myself included, get way too wrapped around the axle on that. Um, so then you left there and obviously there's a, a pretty obvious transition. So you leave Killcliffe and, and are currently director of partnerships for Navy SEAL Foundation. And I've done quite a bit of work with the Navy SEAL Foundation when I was working for 31 Heroes. So yeah, I'm, right. yep. I'm familiar with Robin King and her team and, and they yeah. do a lot of great things. Uh, so there's two parts here. I do want to talk to you about um, a lot of things you guys are doing. Um, but I think the director of partnerships, because we were talking about this before, is important. Um, so what is, what is that job for you and what are you trying to achieve with that job? Or what is the organization trying to achieve with that job and why did it come about? It, it, so it came about, um, I came into the organization. So the only official corporate partnership that existed was the Killcliffe Navy SEAL Foundation partnership, which I helped establish from the Killcliffe side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but they hadn't done others. And I think largely as a matter of respect to, to Killcliffe, which is obviously very honorable thing to do. Um, when I came on board, I, I looked at that and just said, I think there's a big opportunity here to grow our partnerships and, and grow it the right way. Um, I think the trick is you need to make sure you're partnering with organizations that share your ethos that are going to do it the right way, right? They're not there to exploit things. Um, and that can be tricky. So like that, that's largely what I'm trying to navigate. It's like, how do you find, how do you, how do you find organizations that are interested in a partnership and then, and then kind of vetting them, uh, right. To some extent to make sure that it, it makes sense. Um, the first one, so th that was kind of how it, how it came about. Um, and getting a little more more strategic. I view it as well as a, to me it's a way to expand awareness. So you're looking at organizations, they're gonna obviously, they're gonna donate, they're gonna do things to help raise revenue, they're gonna have mm -hmm. co-branded items and they're gonna donate a portion of proceeds back or whatever the setup is. But there's a marketing aspect to it that I think is just hugely valuable. Because no matter what we do, there's still a huge swath of people out there that probably have never heard of the Navy SEAL Foundation, aren't gonna know what it does. But if I can leverage one of our partners, now all of a sudden I've got everybody that pays attention to that brand mm -hmm. getting that message as well, right? And that's a huge force multiplier. So this is a selfish question for me because this is something, <laughs> it's always been on my mind, but it just, I, and I don't think most I don't think most affiliate owners are equipped with the tools to have that conversation appropriately. So let's say, let's say, let's, let's go back. Let's again, let's hop in the Wayback machine and let's go back to CrossFit St. Thomas in it or whatever affiliate that you want to call it. it. What, how would an affiliate go about trying to create partnerships and, and what would be the tactical slash strategic angle that you would take in order to try to make that successful? That's a great question. Um, I, so here's a, here's kind of a, a small example of, of something like that. When we did, when we were sending people to the Latin America regional, so St. Thomas, I don't know if it still is how, how things are divided up now. I'm, I'm not well, sure. there's no regionals anymore. So right. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Good point. Yeah. Uh, so, so it doesn't apply anymore, but at the time the Virgin islands was part of the Latin America region. So we would send athletes to the Latin America regionals and we had a couple athletes, myself and Connor went down there um, and there were some other later coaches, Mark Dessen, hopefully I'm not leaving anybody out. Um, and then we would send a, a team as well. And that we did that. I don't know if they still do it, but we did that for a number of years. And look, those trips aren't 
cheap. And a lot of people across, or sorry, St. Thomas is not a cheap place to live. There's a lot of people that live paycheck to paycheck and to buy a plane ticket, that's probably going to cost a thousand dollars to some Latin America or South American country. And then the hotels and all of that stuff. Uh, we went out into our community and the business is there for sponsorships basically and said, we're going to put your name on our team t-shirt. We're going to put you up uh, in a, like a commemorated in the gym. So it's an, it's a tit for tat, right? There was something we wanted from the local community, like, Hey, support the local community. And we're going to, we're going to acknowledge your support. Uh, And it worked really well. Uh, Like I said, we had a great, community there. Um, so I think the same type of thing applies, right? If you're a gym in your, your local area, you're not looking for national level mm-hmm. partnerships. It doesn't make sense. I don't think, um, no, it doesn't. but going out in your local community is there, are there people that are there organizations that share your ethos that you can figure out of some kind of give and take that's what a partnership is, right? Yeah. Like you're providing value to them. They're providing value to you. And it's really figuring out, what those terms are that go, yeah, that's fair. It's a barter system, old school. I give yeah. you this, you give me that. And that was something that I learned the hard way, particularly when I stepped foot into the nonprofit world, because when I, I, I was more successful when I approached it from the standpoint of what can we do for you? It's, cl- yeah. it's, it's pretty clear if you're a nonprofit, what you're looking for is like some sort of revenue generator or donation or in kind or whatever it may be. But that it makes the conversation easier. It's like, Hey, here's what we can do for you. Are you interested? And then that opens the door instead of walking and be like, Hey, would you like to pay us 700 bucks a year to put a banner in our gym? <laughs> At which yeah. point they're like, not really, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so I always found it to, more appropriate to approach it from a more of a, of a give than an ask. Yes. And then you can circle back to, okay, well, here's what it looks like on our end. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and then from that point, so how, so obviously Navy Steel Foundation and Killcliffe, that was the first one. What other, what other kind of industries or brands are you yeah. guys branching out into now? Yeah. Uh, the, the, a couple, well, a lot, I should say some of them all kind of, or, or obviously there's stuff in the works here. Yeah. I've, got my, I've got my board up here. That's got all the, I call this, this is like my board of awesome. That's just got all this great stuff. Um, there's a lot of, I, I will say there's a lot of organizations out there that have been longtime supporters um, like Gators. I was talking to the bottle breacher yesterday. These are organizations that have been longtime supporters. They've been, they've done things and they're, they're, they're donating to us. That, Who, that are who's, the, who's the owner of bottle breacher? Oh, Eli Crane. Oh, that's right. Okay. never mind. All right. I was yeah. thinking there was, okay. There's, there's yeah. another company I know that was started by some Naval Academy guys that do something very similar. Okay. Sorry. So, so there's a, there's a lot of, of that, um, that, that kind of was already out there that I'm just kind of trying to help. Like, how can we, how can we do better here? Right? Like how can we make this, make this a strong relationship and then bringing on the big, big recent partners Reebok is probably the, the biggest, um, most recent one, um, had a lot of discussions with them. I thought that they were a great, fit for us. Um, so we formed that partnership. I wanted, it was earlier this year. That's mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what month. Um, but that, that kind of grew out of this thing where, um, JJ Watt had created a shoe, sort of a, a, a Naval Space Warfare commemorative shoe. Um, and, um, 
and they were like, it sort of evolved in like, they're going to give a big portion of proceeds to the Navy SEAL Foundation. I, I came in, I talked to them about that. It was extremely well received by everybody. It was just a huge success. Like it was, it was massive. Were, like it I, was uh, awesome. Everybody loved it. Um, it's hard to not like JJ Watt though. I always say like, if you, like, if you don't like JJ Watt, you're sort of like un-American. Like, I don't know why you would not like that guy. Right? I don't either. Like he, uh, I, mean, I was bummed because every time they launched that shoe, I like missed it. And I, no. <clears throat> granted, it has nothing to do. Honestly, it has not, you know, uh, truth be told, it has nothing to do with JJ Watt. Like, just one of the the dates in there is a buddy of mine who was a member of ours for a long time. Um, but JJ Watt and those guys sent yeah. Blake's dad a pair of shoes yep. and like met with them. And you, yep. you know, he's just the salt of the earth, dude. Yeah. So, so that was, I, I think both organizations saw in that, like how good that partnership could be. Right. And again, they were approaching it from, from the right aspect, like just true blue patriotism done the right way, very respectful. Um, and everyone saw that was like, wow, this, this could be really could, could be something. So, so it grew out of that. We've got a bunch of stuff that we're working on together. I kind of can't let the cat out of the bag on some of this, but it's, but it's really exciting. They've been, they've been amazing um, to date. Um, just everything that they've done has been, has exceeded expectations. That's great. Uh, and they're a big part of it. We'll talk about the teamwork event, but they, yep. they're a big part of that launching that at the games. Um, so they've, they've been awesome. I can't say enough good things about. Well, yeah, I mean, let, so then let's just transition right to that. So for those people that haven't were, uh, heard of teamwork, uh, kind of fill them in on what that is and what the mission is and all that. Yep. So this is a, it's a, it's an, it's, we're trying to make it an annual fitness fundraiser in, in gyms across the country. It started um, by a guy, who was, was started by a guy named Jeff Leard. Yep. Who, good buddy. Of mine. Jeff. Good dude. Yep. Uh, Jeff is a CrossFit New England guy, uh, which is my hometown. I, I grew up in Natick, Massachusetts. So CrossFit oh, New England is my hometown. Yeah. When I go home, it was one of these things where when I got into CrossFit I, and I went home for the first time, I was like, well, let me see what the local gym is. <laughs> I walked in and I'm like, hey, not knowing it, right, that you just happen to be walking into like one of the best gyms in the yeah. country. Uh, so lucky me in that regard. Um, anyway, uh, Jeff has been a longtime supporter of NSW, of the foundation. He's now an ambassador. So he is our, he's our ambassador in the, in yeah, the Boston Yeah, he does area. that. He does the... Um... The frog, or not the yes, the Boston Frogman yeah, swim, Boston frog and, swim and the and the Tampa one, him and another guy. Yeah, he's he's done that a bunch. Um, so, but he now runs the Boston Frogman swim, so he's actually running that event. They did. That oh, okay. They killed it. Yeah, I just I literally just saw him. I was up in Boston like three weeks ago, and I ran into him. So it's good to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. So he started this event. It was just like, hey, we're gonna do twenty four hero workouts in twenty four hours, uh, dedicated to fallen members of NSW. Mm -hmm. They did it across New England as a fundraiser. It was just kind of like spur of the moment almost in two weeks and they launched it and did it and raised like $5,000 doing that. That's awesome. Um, and the idea was not, not you and I, not I'm doing 24 workouts, right? Like, and we, by the way, on the website everywhere, we put this out very strictly. Like that's not the idea. Don't do 24 workouts yourself. The that's idea. A, the a terrible idea. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. So the idea, right. Like, don't do it. The idea is the gym's doing it. So the idea is you and I, and it's all done in teams. Nobody's doing workouts by themselves. So you and I form a little team and we're going to do workouts number one and number 12 and number 19 or whatever Got it. over the course of 24 hours, right? So we do like two, three, four workouts, something like that. But the idea is that the community is coming together to execute these workouts as a, as a big team. 
So we did that. And then the following year, when I was kind of between jobs, he said, hey, would you help me like make this bigger? And I said, absolutely. And we got Killcliffe on board to help promote it and sponsor it. And I think we had about 65 to 70 gyms participate. And we raised uh, almost $50,000 doing that. Um, That's great. Which was amazing. Um, and uh, we did it We did it in the summer. We were doing it um, kind of end of June, beginning of July. Over the course of that week, it was like pick any day, pick any 24 hour period in here. We moved it to Veterans Day this year for a couple of reasons. One, there was a lot of just like, in certain parts of the country, it can be really hot in the middle of the summer and you're doing that much work, like just kind of from safety. We realized there's a flip side to that. Now it's in November, colder parts of the country, but to, me, to us, it's a little bit less risk um, from a safety standpoint. The other thing is we wanted it to be tied into to something that's established here that's really about veterans in the military already. And so, um, so we moved it there. And there had been an event uh, called the Three Wise Men Tribute that had been done around Veterans Day. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I heard of it, okay. uh, but it's been a while since I've been in that space. So, yeah. Okay. So that was an event that was run. It was very, it was a, it was three workouts. It was uh, dedicated to three brothers, um, a SEAL, a Marine, and an Army uh, guy. And two of them were killed overseas and one came back. So all three brothers went and served and only one came home. And it was started by a guy uh, named Nathan Fletcher who was friends with that family. He was a Marine himself, um, started that as a tribute, as a way to raise money and a veteran awareness, veteran suicide awareness, that, those types of things. Really cool event. Was, was, one of the, was one of the brothers named Jeremy Wise? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is from Virginia Beach and his, um, his uh, you know, obviously widow, uh, she's remarried very happily at this point, but like she's local here. and, and yeah. 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 So they started that. I don't know when exactly. I want to say 2014, something like that started that event. And they had like, they had a big thing on the, on the, uh, I think it's the Midway there in San Diego where they would make, they have like the elite athletes come in and do it. It's like three workouts back to back. And then gyms would do it virtually across the country. So it was that's cool. Very similar concept. Um, they weren't able to sustain it. Uh, I think last year was the first year they they didn't do it, just like due to obviously work commitments. I mean, they yeah, doing this purely on a volunteer basis, right? Um, so I also wanted to be very respectful of that because I we had participated that we had supported it with Kill Cliff. They had supported the Navy Seal Foundation, um, and I wanted to be respectful of that. And they were like, "Yeah, great." I said why don't we make the first workout of teamwork, the three wise men workout, right? And thereby sort of extend that, honor that, uh, that event and that tradition. Plus it's also all of our workouts are honoring fallen members of NSW. And that one is sort of brings the larger team into play, right? It's, it's yeah. about all service members um, and veterans. And I think that that was definitely the right move. So that was really cool. They said, absolutely. They sort of opened the doors to us and said, yeah, here you go. Um, so we're going to carry on that tradition with it. Um, but the overall concept of the thing is it's, it's Veterans Day. It starts on Veterans Day. So the, the CrossFit Open this year, right, the, starts in October. Yep. Uh, right, this kind of second iteration here uh, for this year. And it actually, the last weekend ends Veterans Day weekend. So that Monday is November 11, 11, 11. Got it. Okay. Um, and so we are kicking off our event that day on Veterans Day. Okay. And then running it through the end of the month. So the idea oh, so they is they can do it whenever they want. Got it. Whenever they want. And, and that's kind of the idea. It's, it's, um, 
it's really all about, again, teamwork. Like, yeah. this is not a situation where we're looking for people to donate tons of money. It's like, just sign up and pay the registration fee, which is $24 in honor of the 24 workouts. And if we get enough people to do that, we'll hit our goal, which is a million dollars. That's cool. Uh, which is a, a lot, I realize. But again, if you think about it, if we can get a thousand gyms out there to sign up and have like 50 people just sign up to do the workout, we'll hit the goal. Not even raising any money. Yeah. Um, so that's really what we're going for. So um, where, so <clears throat> as far as people who want to participate, like what's the, is it, is this through uh, NSF's website? Like where's yep. the place for people to find how, how to participate? Yep. So it's uh, NavySealFoundation.org slash teamwork. Um, and that'll take you to a page. It's got all of the information about the workout. It's got a downloadable PDF. You can register. The idea is uh, gym owners register first, basically create a team, and then members come on and register for that team. Uh, there's no, again, the whole idea of this is like work as a team, build camaraderie, and do, do something that really, I think, honors the holiday of Veterans Day in the right way, right? From a practical standpoint, my recommendation to the affiliates out there is, I mean, anybody who's ever owned an affiliate and you know, just as well as anybody is like doing an event can be like this, this bear of a thing. It just becomes overwhelming. And then it takes away the, 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 the point or like the, the good part about doing the event, which is like, we're trying to contribute something to somebody else. So my reckon what I've done and I I feel that it always turns out better is just pitch it to the community and then just let them do it. You know, like give them the resources that the community needs to do it. And then just let the people in the gym go and just let yeah. them run with it. Like that's yep. the best way and where the, where you get the most participation and it causes you as the gym owner, the least stress because then you're less likely to do it in follow on years and therefore it's just less giving. So um, that's my recommendation. Any gym owners out there, it doesn't have to be this massive ordeal. Just pitch it, tell everybody what it is. You know, there's a little logistics obviously there because that's a 24 hour ordeal, but make it simple is what I would yeah. tell people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and the other thing too is I, uh, I have to stress this a lot because I think automatically people are like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do, we're all going to do 24 workouts. And it's like, no, that's not the idea. <laughs> um, to that point, there, this is, it's not a competition. There's no leaderboard. It's not like we don't. At the end of the day, I don't even care if you do all the workouts. I, what I'm trying to do is spread awareness about the foundation um, to as many people as I can and, and, and yeah. help hopefully support those who really need, need the funding, right? Um, so on so, that note, can you talk about the foundation a little bit? So, yeah. um, you know, obviously it, it's somewhat obvious because it's in the name, the Navy SEAL Foundation, but I'm intimately familiar with it for a lot of reasons. But for those people who are not aware of the Navy SEAL Foundation, what they do, what their mission is, um, kind of go ahead and give them the pitch. There, because yeah. you know the question is like, okay, where's this money going? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we are so. If it's not obvious, we're a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization. We are uh, the largest benevolent that supports the naval special warfare community. Been around since. Uh, for almost 20 years at this point, um, sort of evolved out of two other organizations, officially became the Navy SEAL Foundation in, in 2011, uh, but the history goes back to uh, 2000. Um, we are extremely highly rated when it comes to just nonprofits in general. So, mm -hmm. I, and this is something I didn't know before coming on board the foundation, but you can go to a, a website called Charity Navigator. Yep. They rank 
nonprofits. Rank probably isn't the right word, but they that they sort of like give you objective data on nonprofits. It's it's a fair description. So for anybody who's not familiar with it, it's basically a ranking on different metrics with regard to uh, how they run their organization, um, what how much money they give, percentage of revenue brought in versus revenue paid out. Um, all the things that you want to know with regard to a nonprofit when you're going to give somebody money to make yeah. sure that it's actually going where it needs to go. Correct. Yeah. So they, they're looking at basically financial accountability and transparency of the organization. Uh, we've been a four-star rated charity for the last eight years on that uh, charity navigator and had a perfect score the last four. And what that means is they look at about 9,000 charities across the country and there's only about 65 to 70 that get a perfect score every year. So we're, we, and this is of all charities out there. So we're in the top 0.6, 0 0.7% of all charities out there. Um, it's about 94 cents of every dollar donated that's going to our programs or is retained for future mission use. So we run really, really lean. Yeah. So that was, that's something um, just so, and I can shed a little light on this cause I'm, I'm familiar with how it all works. The, some people would criticize, well they, well, they have a lot of money that they that they hold on to retained. But if you know what the organization does, the vast majority of the organization's expenses are for future costs, right? So it's like education of fallen service members' kids in the future, yeah. spouse retreats, things like that. Um, so that obviously has to be planned for. And I learned a lot from Robin and the, and the folks at ABCL Foundation about how, like, running a nonprofit like a business is actually the way it's supposed to be done where, oh, yeah. you know, it is not in the best interest of the organization or whatever their cause is to spend all of their money every year. No, no, not uh, certainly not. I mean, we have a, a responsibility to those that are donating to us to be as responsible as we can with that, that money, right? It's got to yeah. support the mission. Um, obviously we have operating costs. We have to run a, a business. Um, and that's, people should understand that, Yeah. but you're trying to make that fraction as, as small as possible so that you can really, you know, that, yeah. that money can support those in need. Um, so from the, uh, from that to what we do, we have five pillars of support or in family support. So we're supporting active duty and all of their families. We have educational opportunities, which is scholarships, grants, um, we, we get, I mean, this is talking hundreds of these things every year that mm -hmm. we're supporting um, across the board. Um, tragedy assistance and survivor support. We have over 500 Gold Star family members that mm -hmm. we support pretty much in, in perpetuity. Um, and that's, it's unfortunate, but it's really important, right? We yeah. never forget the sacrifice there and that we, we support those those families. That's families of the fall, and people aren't familiar with the term yeah. gold star family. Yeah, so gold star, um, most of them is like it's generally wives, but it's the spouses and children of guys that have been or that have been killed in action or in training. And there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes and that goes on afterwards that they need help with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, warrior transition, which is a, a huge component now, right? This and this this I would say really applies to the kind of the Veterans Day piece of this is guys getting out, what are they doing next? Transitioning into civilian life. It's a huge thing. Um, we continue to iterate on how we get better at that. I mean, I think that's another thing about our organization is we're constantly looking at what we're doing and is it applicable and relevant, right? Like we can't just stay stagnant. Any organization that's doing it's worth its weight and salt is like looking at what it's doing to make sure it's still relevant. Um, and then what's legacy, the, go ahead. 
what's the um what's the name of that transition program i forgot it's on the tip of my tongue but the uh, program we run is called set it's called seal swick egress training that's yeah. our whole warrior concept that is physical mental family integration we also support other organizations that do that help transition guys so we support the honor foundation that's the one i was thinking of yeah yeah, yeah. and i know i know quite a few people that have gone through that and it's like yeah. set them up tremendously when they leave right. us because uh, I don't think enough people understand how difficult that can be like transitioning, like depending on how long you've been in the service. Like when you, I mean, I didn't have anything crazy going on, but I had like, it was, it was, and I wanted to get out and it was hard for me when I got out. I was yeah. like, Oh my God. I was like, what am I going to do? Right. Yeah. No, it, it can be super challenging, right? Just because like any job, if you're doing the same thing for 20 years and now you've got to completely shift gears that's going to be challenging for anybody. And what I, what I tell people in support of that specifically, right, is I, I just think, I think it's so critical. And I think it's honestly a matter of national security because you have the, some of the best people that this country has to offer, right? In terms of work ethic, teamwork, integrity, leadership, all of those things that you can't teach people, right? Mm -hmm. But if you could pick out like high quality individual, they would have it in spades. And what, what they just need are skills in like a new job, right? And that's like this, you know, my transition, I had to just learn on the go because it was like a startup and didn't go to go to business school. But if you can, if you can give someone that's got all that stuff, you can't teach them, if you can give them the skills they need to be successful. Like, why wouldn't we, like, we should definitely invest in that, right? <laughs> I want all the, I want those guys in the best jobs I can possibly get them out there. It's, it's important for our country. Sort yeah, of. no, it's a big deal. And uh, the Navy SEAL Foundation does just a ton of good stuff um, that I get to see personally around here in the community. So um, if you guys are interested, go look it up, go find out how you can participate, run it in your gym, you know, even if you want to donate or just register, like every dollar counts when it comes to that stuff. And it's going to a, a very, very, worthy cause um that i can that i can vouch for um i wanted to talk about one more thing and let you go because i know you're a busy dude we were talking so like you are not at the headquarters the headquarters here in virginia you work virtually and we were kind of chatting about this um and we were talking about how to be able to work virtually and and where that can be beneficial from an affiliate standpoint and i know there's I was literally on a phone call today with somebody who's trying to find somebody to do this work and the discussion for whatever reason, I feel always comes back to that. This person needs to be in my building to do this work. And the more things become virtual and the more things become automated, I feel like there's a lot of affiliate owners that could take a lot of work off their plate by moving some of that stuff to somebody who, and it doesn't have to be far, it doesn't have to be like San Diego or whatever, but it could be somebody who, for me in Virginia, that lives in Richmond, who doesn't need to be customer facing, who can just do all of that stuff via email. Um, and you were talking about some things that an affiliate owner or just a business in general would yep. want to be looking for in a person who would do some of that virtual work for them. Right. Well, I think to start off, I mean, you gotta, you gotta analyze your business, right? So whether it's affiliate or something else, it's like, does your business require a physical office at all? Right? Do you have people that come into your office that you're servicing? Um, does that matter? Uh, and that can be yes and no. Beyond that, you can make the argument, I think there is an argument of having a physical location does kind of center things. And, and there is something to be said of people working together face-to-face. 
I think there is value there. Um, I think there are jobs, depending on the organization, that need to be remote. Yeah, like we were talking about it the, before we started here. Um, you know, there are things like sales jobs and people out there, like when it's territorial and they got to be out, it's more important that they're out talking to the people they service than sitting in the office with you. And so those people should be remote. We want them as close to the job they're actually executing. Then I think there's sort of this like gray area of, and it kind of comes down to the person as far as I'm concerned. Like, is this person somebody who can work remotely? And is that in line with what we want from the organization, right? And it's, it's, and it's tough. I, I don't know, it's hard to screen for that kind of a thing, but there are definitely, there are people that work great in that type of a capacity. It's like, we don't worry about their schedule too much. It's just like, we know that they get stuff done. And I think the thing I was saying at the beginning of this is, if there's one quality, I mean, outside of, I shouldn't say this, like we, we, you wanna hire people that have integrity in their yeah. life, right? Sort of what I would call kind of the basics. But if there's one kind of uh, intangible beyond that, it's aggressive problem solving that I think you have to, like people that don't just sit around and go, well, what, what else do you need me to do? I'm waiting for you to tell, I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do, right? Like not good. You want people that are like, hey, I was looking at this and um, I think we can do this better, right? People that go, are- Go, do it, you're good. Right, people that are constantly, identifying problems and looking for ways to fix them and just fixing them on their own. Right. Um, I had people at Kilcliffe, um, guy who he would, he came in like when he first started working, he'd be like, Hey, I'm thinking about, I'm looking at this and I think this will work, but I'm like, great. I'm like, look, if you see that, just, just do it, dude. You don't even need to ask. You don't ask me like, you know, your job, you know it better than me. If you think it can be done better some other way, as long as it's not going to break the crash the company or something yeah. like just do it and that's that's what you want like somebody fixes something you didn't even know was broken and now it's working better that's I, yeah I those are the types of people that can work like anywhere right so for for instance and it can be a job that's kind of virtual but not virtual too so for instance uh i, I don't know when i did this but it was like about nine years too late basically we created at the gym, it's just accounts at crossfitrife.com. And that is where we send anything that has to do with like account maintenance or cancellations, anything. And we intentionally do not tell people who is behind that email. It could, it might be somebody in the gym. It might not be somebody in the gym, but nothing they do requires them to be, have like a physical interaction with a client. Right. Mm -hmm. If we do an exit interview, then one of the coaches will do that. But somebody manages all that in the back end. And from a, because the CrossFit space, like that's usually a pretty intimate relationship. And there's a lot to be said for making some of those interactions um, have no face on it. Right. So if somebody's mm -hmm. angry or something like, or they're you, like, you kind of don't want them to have the ability to lean on a particular coach or leverage a personal relationship and do that because that will happen. Um, and that person can work wherever they want. I'm like, when, when those things come in, you handle them. And here's the protocol for basically the 10 scenarios that we know are going to happen. If it, if it falls outside of that, make a decision and tell me what happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a Tim Ferriss thing. Like if you get, if you've ever read, um, his original book, right. The four hour work week, he's got that thing where I can't, I think his, his, demarcation line was like a hundred dollars but he basically said he he was involved in every decision and every and he finally just said look if you can fix this for less than a hundred dollars just do it don't even tell me about it and it yeah. like removed some ungodly amount of 
work from his plate. So ridiculous. I did that and mine was a little bit higher, but it was basically the the price. I figured out, I was like, the price of refunding somebody a yes. membership and then some. It's just like, make that decision on your own. I don't want there to have to be a, a wait to have a resolution for said problem. Like solve the customer's problem right there because that you're, the gym owner doesn't need to be involved in all of those. So that's just a way to empower people be like listen you can solve that problem up to this dollar figure and even in some instances if you feel that's the right thing to do that's in the best interest of the customer because we messed up or something like that just do it like i'm not going to be mad about it i'm not gonna be mad that you made the customer happy like that's not gonna happen right so (laughs) like that is never a thing so yeah it's interesting that i think um more people don't and i've played around with virtual assistants but it's interesting it's interesting when you brought that that you were working virtually and i was like well how's that working and i was like well of course it's working because you're that type of personality yeah i'm I'm gonna get some i I try to be i try to be yeah i mean we all do most yeah um cool last thing i know you're um you know, I've been in a lot of different leader posi- leadership positions. Any books that you would recommend as a for a business owner or somebody who's uh, in a leadership position? Oh boy, that's a good good question. Um, I'm trying to remember the last kind of book that I that I read that's along those lines, or just something you enjoy. It doesn't necessarily have to fall in, in that swim lane. Oh well, you know, it's funny. So I listen to the, I obviously listen to podcasts that Connor did with you guys. Yeah. And, and this this thing came up with him where it was like, "What's the name one book?" And I was, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I, I hope he'll say War of Art. Um, and he did. He and, did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, and I hopefully you remember. I, I'm the one who gave him that book. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think he wow. still has my. I think my he copy. did actually. I think, he did. <laughs> I think he's told me that before. Yeah. That is. That is. Um, yeah, I, I would just piggyback on that. That is, and it's one of those books like you could read it every year. It's 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 literally like it's Stephen Pressfield who wrote Gates of Fire, which mm-hmm. is the you know three hundred story. It's the same yep. story, and it's just this. It's just a book about what one each chapter is like a page, right? So you can you can leave this somewhere and just read a page at a time. Yeah, uh, and it's and it's fine. It's almost like daily affirmation type Got stuff. It but it's just about like putting in the work day after day is basically what it is. Like what professionals do and what professionals do is they just put in the work. It's like, and it's, it kind of amounts to practice. Yeah. And it's not like doing it right every single time. It's like having a bad day is fine. It's, yeah. it's part of the practice, right? Having bad days leads to more good days. And it's like, but you just can't get there without the practice. Like you're not going to learn guitar just by staring at your guitar every day. And you have to have days you pick up your guitar and you play and you're like, this sounds awful. But, but playing awfully for like an, an hour is better yeah. than not playing at all. Exactly. Oh, and uh, yeah, so I love that book. I need to read it again. It's been a while. Uh, I've got it here. I just haven't gotten to it. I need to read it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. Like I said, and you don't have to, it's not like, oh, I got to sit down and read this book. Like read yeah. one chapter. It'll take you 30 seconds. I like it. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, brother, I know you're busy. Um, thank you for your time, man. And yeah. uh, check out Navy SEAL Foundation, guys. Check out Teamwork. If you've got questions, just hit us up. We can push those over to Chris. And uh, thanks again, dude. It's good catching up with you. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate it. Um, one, one last thing that yeah. I just want to impress, just yeah. on the teamwork thing that I didn't, I don't know that we, we quite got to, is that, um, you know, the reason I think that doing something is so like this is so important is, I feel like Veterans Day is one of those holidays that we haven't 
quite celebrated necessarily the right way and it's kind of become a little bit consumerized. And so I would just, I would just ask everybody to think on that day, like how are you really celebrating that day in a way that's appropriate, right? How are you honoring what veterans have done for the country, right? So whether that's supporting our event, the teamwork, or supporting some other charity, I think that that is probably the right way to express reverence um, and, and celebrate, if that's the right word, that holiday in a way that makes sense. That's the different from buying something for yourself because there's yeah. a lot of organizations, companies out there that can try and sell things at a discount that day. I don't, I mean, if they're supporting a, a charity that's doing those, those sort of things, I think that's great because um, it's spreading awareness. But just think about that. I think that it's, it's what we're trying to get back to with this. We really appreciate the, like what three wise men helping us out here and, and, and letting us make that part of our event and the sponsors that we've got. Reebok, Killcliffe, we've got Concept2, we've got Born Primitive, and we're getting more on board. There's going to be some cool, like, prizes for the top fundraisers as well, um, which I'm, uh, will trickle out. I don't want to get too into details, but, um, but we really think it can be impactful. And again, just kind of, like, get everybody in the right mindset. Um, and, uh, and we think, obviously, this CrossFit community can just make such an impact. And, yeah. And so, so well, I think people can get on board with that. And if, and if they can't, well, then we probably don't want them. So. <laughs> Cool. Go check it out, guys. Hit us up if you have any questions and uh, appreciate it again, man. It's always Yeah, good thanks, man. It was awesome. Appreciate right, it. Uh, talk to you soon. Yep. yep. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And just so you guys know, it is bonus week. We're going to be bringing you an episode every day, Monday through Friday this week. And we've got some great, great interviews and episodes coming your way. Check out Best Hour of Their Day dot com if you haven't already and you can find us on social media at best hour of their day or email us best hour of their day at gmail.com we look forward to hearing from you